What's your purple? Raise your mugs and raise your little brown jugs and raise a toast. Welcome to Toast Radio. I'm your host, Megan Connolly, making your life a little more purple. In today's show, we will explore the latest trends and happenings in the music world and how they relate to Bishop students. We will have three exciting topics to discuss. We'll start by discussing the rise of TikTok and its impact on the music industry. Then we'll talk about how music can be used as a form of therapy for Bishop students dealing with mental health issues. And finally, we'll dive into Winterfest and events happening on campus and how students can get involved. So let's get started. Beginning with the rise of TikTok and its impact on the music industry, the app has become one of the most popular social media platforms among college students and a powerful tool for musicians to promote their music. The app allows users to create short videos set to music and List has led to viral dances, lip syncs, and other content that often include popular songs. Because of this, many musicians have seen their music and fame grow exponentially. One of the biggest examples of this song is Old Town Road by Lil Nas X, which was first shared on TikTok and quickly went viral. This resulted in the song reaching number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. This is just one example of how TikTok is changing the way music is discovered and shared, Another way TikTok has impacted the industry is through the creation of TikTok Hit, where a song becomes a hit thanks to the platform, not because of traditional methods such as radio play or streaming numbers. This can be both a blessing and a curse for musicians, as it allows for more diversity in the music that becomes popular, but it also means that the success of a song may not be as sustainable as it would be with traditional methods. In conclusion, TikTok has changed the way music is discovered and shared and it has empowered musicians and audiences alike. As a Bishop student, you have access to a large audience of your peers, and the opportunity to take advantage of this platform to promote your music. You never know, you might just be the next TikTok star. Along with the evolving music industry, mental health is another example of how music can impact our society. Music has long been recognized as a powerful tool for healing and self-expression. And this is especially true for Bishop students who may be facing a wide range of stressors, such as academic pressure, social challenges, and financial difficulties. Music can serve as an outlet for these emotions and can help students cope with the challenges that they face. Music therapy is a form of therapy to achieve therapeutic goals, and it's increasingly being used to help students improve their mental health. Research shows that listening to music increases the production of serotonin, the feel-good hormone, which can improve mood and overall sense of well-being. Listening to music can help reduce stress and anxiety, and it distracts the mind from negative thoughts and promotes feeling of relaxation. It can be used as a form of self-expression, which is especially important for college students who may be navigating new and challenging experiences. Whether it be through singing, playing an instrument, or writing lyrics, music provides a way for individuals to express their emotions and feelings in a healthy way. Music can be a powerful tool for promoting mental wellness and self-expression, and it's an important aspect of overall well-being. Bishop students can take advantage of the many benefits of music by incorporating it into their daily routine. Another way that Bishop students can incorporate music into their daily routine is by attending Winterfest and its concert on Saturday, February 11th. Bishop's campus is buzzing with anticipation for Winterfest, the Rail Jam, and of course, Saturday night's concert. 
We'll start by discussing the process of selecting the performer for the concert. This involves a lot of research and consideration, as the SRC needs to take into account the preferences and tastes of the student body, as well as the availability and budget of the performer. Once the performer is selected, the SRC starts to work on the logistics of the event, such as preparing the venue, arranging for lighting, sound, coordinating with vendors for food, merchandise. This can be a challenging and time-consuming process, but it's essential to make sure that everything runs smoothly and the performer and, of course, our Bishop students have a great time. Planning Winterfest is definitely time-consuming, but it's an exciting and rewarding experience. The SRC is responsible for bringing together diversity and for creating an enjoyable and memorable experience for the entire student body. Tune in for what's coming up next in Toast Radio. We'll be interviewing DJ and performer Rose Drive, but before, some music.
Live and Toast Radio, we will be interviewing DJ and performer Rose Drive. Um, if you want to start introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about what got you into music in the first place and how long have you been doing it? Sure. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me on Toast Radio. I'm really excited to come up to Sherbrooke, Lennoxville area for the first time for Winterfest. Um, I'm DJ Rose Drive. My name is Jimmy Grant. I grew up in San Diego, California. I have been DJing for eight years now. I've been making music for seven years. And I grew up an athlete with no music background. My wow. baseball career was cut short my freshman year of college. I discovered dance music because my roommate was watching EDM music festivals on YouTube and I thought it was really cool. So perfect timing to completely change up like my identity as an athlete and teach myself how to produce music and DJ while in college. So that's kind of how it all kicked off. That's fantastic. So you're totally self-taught then? Yes. Wow. Okay. So you've been doing it for seven years, if that's correct. Yes. How did you get to where you are today? How did you, I guess, make it big? Um, I mean, first of all, I started out playing really small uh, college bar shows when I was in college, uh, taking whatever opportunity I could, just inviting my friends out, super low key. Uh, did that for a couple of years. Then I started putting out my own remixes. Um, I went to school in the Washington, D.C. area on the East Coast of the U.S., so um, I started to get invited out to play some pretty big club shows in Baltimore, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., uh, started gaining some popularity. I graduated from college, moved back to San Diego, and a lot of the clubs were impressed that I had played um, up and down the East Coast when I moved back to San Diego, so that helped spiral some momentum for shows in Southern California. And wow. some big DJs started playing my remixes and downloading them and reposting on SoundCloud. And uh, from there, just kind of snowballed and started to get emails from different clubs across the U.S. to come do like guest DJ shows at their clubs. And yeah, from there, just built, kept building up. That's super exciting. I love that. So... Are you more so the kind of DJ who's going to go to a club, or have you done events at colleges or universities before? Um, I've done both. Uh, lately, I've done a lot of university shows. Um, I think uh, total, prob probably done like 120 uh, college shows in total at this point. Um, this will be my first time ever playing a college show in Quebec. Um, I've played in uh, Montreal at New City Gas. I supported some other um pretty big artist for a show uh last august but this will be my first time doing a university show in quebec which i'm really excited about and the fact that it's going to be in february uh and outdoors is uh also going to be a first for me for that that cold of a dj experience so i'm excited for it yeah it's gonna be exciting it's cold but that's how we do it up here okay so what's the biggest show that you've done so far in your career my favorite show that I've ever done was a, a club show in Tokyo at this club called Warp Shinjuku. Um, it's a thousand person club, uh, sold out show, really high energy. And the reason that it's my favorite is because uh, only a small fraction of people in Japan uh, know English, but they all sang along to all these popular songs that I played more than in the US or in Canada, like just intense singing like sing-alongs and it just 
it, it made me realize how powerful EDM and dance music is. It transcends cultures and it brings everybody together. So that like that particular show was really powerful for me to know that I was doing the right thing, like with my life and my passion and going down this path and building this brand. So because the energy was really good, but also because of that uh, cultural connection without people knowing English and them knowing the words, I, I just thought that was really powerful. That is, that is Tokyo. That's insane. So is that your first, was Tokyo your first time traveling outside of the U.S.? Uh, no, uh, for the first time I ever DJed outside the U.S. was in London, U.K. And um, that was a really interesting experience because when I showed up, they had uh, the wrong DJ equipment, like an older version that I had never <laughs> used before. So I had to kind of learn how to use that on the fly, like a couple hours before the show. But um, nobody really noticed if you're a DJ or a producer, people be like, hey, what the heck is this guy doing up there? But we got through it and everybody had a good time still. But yeah, London was the first international show I did. Oh, that's fantastic. And how many years ago was that? That was in fall of 2018. Okay. Yeah. So midway through your career, you'd say? Yeah, I I would say that was really when things kicked off with uh, doing full on tours where we put out like a a tour flyer, like, hey, here are all the cities that we're doing over the next couple of months. Uh, that was part of that first rollout of a proper tour. So in London, obviously that caught you off guard. So did you have something else prepared? Is there like a routine that you go through before each show? Um, I do. I mean, for, for the most part, I've I have a lot of different transitions and mashup routines. So any given show I have, there's like four or 500 songs that I could play. And depending on the first two, three, four songs that I play, it's kind of just uh, ad-libbing or um, figuring it out as, as I go along. So any kind of situation, I have different backup plans if people aren't vibing with the first couple songs that I'm playing. And funny enough, I was playing um different mashups or edits and remixes that i usually play in the u.s and during that sound check in london one of the bartenders was like oh bro like that's never gonna work here people won't like that and then i was like how about this and i started playing that he's like no like that's not the vibe here in london i was like i got so stressed out and worried i was like man is my second to go well and um i ended up just playing the stuff that i always do and everybody loved it so i think it's really important as a dj to like listen to your instincts and own what your sound and what your style is. And just, if people like it, they like, it. and if they don't, they don't, but every, every show is a learning experience. So um, it pre preparing for any show, if you're preparing the night of like 30 minutes or an hour before, it's probably a little bit too late. All the preparation comes like years, months, weeks ahead of time to really put together an awesome live show. Wow, that's very good to know. Leaning off of that, when you were in London and they were saying that what you were doing wasn't going to fly, have you ever had an experience where you were doing a performance and the audience wasn't interested? Yeah, I mean, I have a very specific story. Um, a part of that same Asia tour that I did when I went to Tokyo, I also played in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. And when I was performing, um, it, was it was mainly a bottle service club. So smaller club and in order to go you kind of had to buy a table for a group of friends and it was very exclusive and i'm playing for about 20 or 30 minutes and i'm like hey i think these people hate me um i'm just playing my music no one's really dancing and everyone's just drinking and looking at each other i'm like what's going on 
And uh, I find out afterwards from the promoter of that club, they're just kind of like, no, that's just part of the culture in Vietnam. Like people don't really dance. They're just there to like relax and enjoy the music and talk with friends. So I wish I knew that ahead of time because the whole show is like, I'm never getting inviting back, invited back. <laughs> There's no way people are liking this show, but it's just a different cultural thing. And, um, you know, the hot songs are songs that people will sing along to changes even in different parts of the U S and, um, I think it's just one of those things as a DJ, you can't be too hard on yourself in the moment and just go with the flow of like what you've, what you've trained yourself to do and all the prep and everything. So I haven't had anything that's been an outright bad show, but that was kind of like a, in the moment in the show, I was kind of panicking thinking that people hated me, but they, I found out later on that they just kind of experience concerts or shows in a different way in Vietnam. That's so interesting, the, cult the cultural differences, but also your music still transcends culture. And I'm also learning that a lot of DJing is on the fly. Is that wrong? Yes. Like, on the fly. Wow. I don't know if I could do that. I think that seems too stressful for me. But um, props to you. So I guess one of my last questions is, have you worked with any other artists? Have you like mentored any artists or trained under any other DJs? Um, no, I, I haven't trained any other DJs and I, I actually was super low key and didn't really tell people, um, what I was doing. I was kind of like embarrassed about, um, producing and DJing. I thought people would think it's kind of like weird and people would say like, who do you think you are trying to do that without any sort of music background and things like that? I went to a military school in the US, so complete opposite kinds of thinking, like creative thinking and creative expression just isn't really a thing there. So when I was in college, I didn't really have like, you know, someone that was two or three years older than me teaching me the ropes. Like I would pull out my DJ equipment, practice, and then like hide it in my closet and not really sh share it with anybody. Um, I don't have uh, a mentor per se, and I think it's kind of allowed me to, to develop my own style as a producer and a DJ because a lot of my mixing styles and when I bring in acapellas or when I'm layering different tracks is a little bit different than most DJs you might hear at your local bar or nightclub or even on like festival stages. So I think even though I might not be on the technical side of things, doing things 100% correct, I do them in a really unique and different way. Um, other artists that I've worked with, um, I have a couple songs that I've recently released, uh, Magnetized and Silencing Your Heart with a really talented vocalist, uh, Xander Jones from London. We just connected online and um, he had a couple of different vocal ideas and we exchanged ideas back and forth. And then six to nine months later for both songs, we had a full product. And uh, I just recently released Silencing Your Heart on January 13th. So um that, that's really my my extension of working with other artists. I've remixed a bunch of different indie artists, bands, other DJs, things like that. But um, I think also because of the pandemic, the, there's been limited time of getting in, the, it, getting in the studio and in person with other people. So my question was, when you were starting out, did you find that the DJing community was very gatekept? Or was that more so coming from your experience in not necessarily a conservative environment, but more so a tunneled vision environment of the military college that you were at? Um, I think I think it's there's definitely in the music industry as a whole, there's a lot of kind of gatekeeping going on with record labels and people 
um, kind of wanting to put you in a box for what you do and limit, limit your style and things like that. I think I personally just didn't want anyone to know what I was doing until I felt like I was really good. That, that was like the ultimate thing. I didn't want to share uh, any music or let anybody know. And inevitably, a bunch of classmates of mine ended up going to this big um, rally in the alley party in Baltimore. And word got out really quick on campus that I was doing what I was doing. And it wasn't worth the stress uh, leading up to that. I should have just let people know ahead of time. <laughs> but, you know, that it, I, think it, I think it overall ended up being a good thing. Oh, that's fantastic. So I guess we're going to wrap up. I have one final question for you. I'm wondering, there's, I have found so many new artists and different kinds of songs on TikTok that I would never listen to, but I love them. How do you find TikTok has like, has it impacted your career or outreaching your music to different kinds of people? I honestly, um, of anybody in my world, I probably use TikTok the least. I think it's great for finding new new artists um, and specifically those huge songs that they put out. Um, I I think it's a great place for people to test out music, like if, if they wanna see if they should finish the rest of it and see what people are vibing with. Um, I haven't been, I, I just haven't been on TikTok as much as you would guess, so I'm not the best, uh, to provide great insight on TikTok, to be honest. Well, that's the perfect answer anyways. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy. We appreciate it. I'm very excited. Thanks for having me on Toast Radio. And uh, you did a great job with the questions. I appreciate your time.